Before the break, John S. Doyle was taking us through the papers here this morning. Across the Irish Sea, one story dominating the front pages there. Brexit, the protocol and a deal with the EU. Can Sunak sell his Brexit deal? The Daily Mail. Rishi, this new Brexit deal is best for Britain. The Express. I've won big concessions from EU, claims Sunak. That's on the front of the Times. EU chief flies in to seal Brexit deal as revolt brews. The Daily Telegraph. As our London editor John Kilrain was reporting, European Commission President President Commission President, excuse me, Ursula von der Leyen is travelling to London today and will meet face to face with British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. It's being widely reported that they are close to agreeing changes to the way Northern Ireland's unique place in the EU single market and the UK will work and be governed without imposing a border on the island of Ireland. Speaking last night, the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar said the meeting today is a welcome development. There's definitely still a bit of work to be done, um, but it's encouraging that the meeting is happening in London tomorrow. Um, inching forward uh, to an agreement, I spoke to the Prime Minister and President von der Leyen today, um, so I think it is a positive development. And if we can get an agreement on the protocol, uh, it's uh, a very positive development for Ireland and Northern Ireland economically, uh, but most importantly, uh, perhaps helps to get the Good Friday Agreement institutions, the Assembling Executive up and running, and can put um, EU, UK and UK Irish relations on a much better footing because it has been a difficult couple of years, but we're uh, very similar countries, nearest neighbours, uh, very close on most things, and it'd be great to be working together again uh, in, in the way we did in the past. That's Leo Varadkar. Let's for, uh, speak now to Pat Leahy, political editor at the Irish Times, and to Suzanne Lynch, chief Brussels correspondent with Political. To Suzanne, first of all, why is Ursula von der Leyen travelling today? Well, uh, Gavin, it's very much end game here with the Brexit talks, and and she is travelling over to England to, to sign this deal. There is no reason why she would be going for any other reason than that. So, barring a very much a last minute hitch. We do expect uh, the two, uh, von der Leyen and Rishi Sunak, to sign off on that deal today with a, a kind of press conference uh, scheduled at some point this afternoon. And take us through the rest of the choreography. What's expected to happen after that? Yeah, it's interesting. Around the same time as uh, the President of the Commission will be meeting Sunak, uh, Maro Sefcovic, who's been the Commissioner running the Brexit negotiations here in Brussels, he's uh, he has called a meeting of EU ambassadors from all 27 countries. They're due to meet here around 4pm in Brussels. Now, that time could slip. Um, and they are going to eff- effectively give the sign-off uh, to the deal that's been uh, agreed over across the channel. Um, they haven't seen the text of this. Uh, this has been very much uh, run by the Commission and indeed uh, in, in the last few weeks, months maybe, uh, the uh, von der Leyen herself and her team have taken a more central role in this. Uh, they have been involved in these discussions. They've been playing it very, very uh, tight uh, cards, very close to their chest. Um, the ambassadors about nine days ago were briefed on this and they were given the kind of broad outline. They were uh, told about possible red lines and how they would not be crossed, but they weren't shared. The detail was not shared with them. That's going to change this afternoon. They're going to see that text. And uh, I think the Commission feels that they have sufficient political sign-off from all the EU countries to go ahead and uh, sign off on this deal this afternoon. Pat Lee, what's your understanding of what will be agreed? Yeah, well, as Suzanne says, 
you know, this has been a very tight process. There have been some indications coming out of uh, London as to the contents uh, of the deal. It seems to be that it will include uh, a red-green arrangement for for goods, that is to say goods that are coming into Northern Ireland from uh, Great Britain and are intended just to stay in Northern Ireland. They won't be subject to checks. They'll go through a green lane whereas goods that are for uh, transmission onto the Republic and therefore into the EU single market proper, they'll go through a red lane and will be subject uh, to checks. There'll be a trusted trader scheme. The intention is that will reduce checks, uh, the current level of checks on goods coming into the north from Great Britain by something like 95%. So that will eliminate that difficulty. There will be some sort, we think, of a mechanism for the Assembly to be consulted and raise objections on new regulatory changes, new regulatory divergences between uh, uh, the North and the rest of, uh, of the EU. It's not entirely clear how that is going to work. It will be possible for uh, the Assembly, we think, to register an objection and uh, the EU will then have to apply whether to uh, will have to decide whether to apply or disapply that to uh, to the north. And there is going to be changes in the way that state aid and VAT rules are uh, are set for the north. So that is what is leading Rishi Sunak in all the British papers this morning to claim that he has big concessions. He has won big concessions from the EU. But we'll have to wait until later to see the text of the deal for confirmation of that. What's likely to be agreed on the role of the European Court of Justice? This isn't quite clear as of yet. What we think uh, is going to be the case that the Court of Justice won't be completely removed from supervision of single market rules as they apply to Northern Ireland. After all, to the extent that the North is still governed by single market rules and because it has one foot in the single market, that's not going to change. It will be subject to, to some EU rules and that will be subject to the supervision of the Court of Justice. But we think that it's going to be removed as a sort of a court of first instance from the uh, from any disputes in that. And while there will be uh, a role of ultimate jurisdiction for the ECJ, that's going to be somewhat removed from how the thing is, uh, from how the new arrangements are governed. Uh, Suzanne Lynch, in order for, for any changes to be uh, agreed or checked by the Assembly, the Assembly has to be sitting. In order for that to happen, uh, the DUP has to nominate a Speaker and Ministers. Um, do we have any idea so far if what's likely to be agreed is going to be enough to convince the DUP to do all that? Well, the one positive encouraging sign is that in the seven steps the DUP set out um, about what they wanted from changes to the protocol, they don't mention the European Court of Justice. So that would suggest that maybe that issue um, will, there will be sufficient movement on that um, to uh, keep the DUP happy. But look, we don't know. One of the problems is that there are divides within the DUP about um, what they want from this deal. And then there is the issue, will there be light between the DUP and um, the ERG, the more uh, Eurosceptic wing of the Conservative Party? Um, and will they back the deal if the DUP does, etc.? Um, but it looks for the moment that really this was always going to ultimately come down to Rishi Sunak's decision. Was he prepared to push this through, stand down the opposition within his own party, um, and take that risk, that political risk, and take the blowback, possible blowback of pushing through this deal. It looks like that's what exactly what he's going to do. Uh, he's, he does look set to win a vote if it goes to a vote. In the Commons, the Labour Party has said they will uh, support it. Um, but that is his political decision, and it looks like 
you know, four years after, uh, you know, Theresa May faced very similar difficulties that brought down her premiership, he's prepared to ride this out and make the calculation that, you know, the mood has changed, uh, he's ready to go for this, and that ultimately he will get sufficient backing for it. That Telegraph, a Daily Telegraph headline I mentioned about revolt brewing, um, that extends further than the ERG wing of the Conservative Party. Uh, It includes noises or threats from members of his own front bench. Mm. I mean, I think the issue for Sunak was that the fact that he had signalled that this deal was coming about nine days ago, I think it was always going to be very difficult for him to walk that back. I mean, you know, he was going to be weakened if he did that. He will be weakened in some way, perhaps after this. Uh, And I think he's taking that political gamble. Um, And there well may be uh, resignations. We've heard stuff about Steve Baker, for example. We've heard heard Jacob Rigmog, different figures who have been critical of this. Uh, And, of course, Boris Johnson himself. I think a key issue to watch will be whether Rishi Sunak decides uh, to keep this Northern Ireland Protocol Bill. That's the bill that Boris Johnson controversially introduced last summer that would override the Northern Ireland Protocol. Johnson said he believes that should not be dropped. Um, but Sunak is indicating that he will drop that, so that could be a source of tension. Um, but that bill that Johnson introduced was the bill that um, not just the EU, but senior members of the US Congress said uh, was, you know, overriding international law. Uh, so I, for the EU, I think that could be an issue if they leave that uh, going through the process. So I think that's going to be a key element to watch later on today, probably this evening, uh, when the action moves back uh, to Westminster. Hypotheticals, Pat, but what happens if there is no agreement? In other words, even if Rishi Sunak is able uh, to shake hands with Ursula von der Leyen today uh, and get an agreement on a protocol, if it doesn't change anything, if there is no assembly and no Stormont executive as a result? And that's quite possible. That depends on the attitude that the DUP takes to it. Now, some noises, the DUP were completely tight-lipped from yesterday when we sought to get a reaction uh, from them, but some suggestion uh, coming out of Westminster that the DEP will take their time, that they're not going to give an I yes or no to this just today, that they will take their time to analyse uh, the legal text. It may also be that they decide not to give their assent to it, but to simply let it play out and see how it works uh, on on the ground. And that, of course, would leave the uh, institutions in suspension uh, for some time. I think there's going to be an element of wait and see with with how the DUP chooses uh, to play this. It is true that their role, I think, will be crucial because... If the DUP come out and oppose it, that immediately gives fuel to any backbench rebellion from his Eurosceptics that Rishi Sunak faces, and that could be destabilising for him. At the same time, it's difficult to see what way the DUP has to turn if it doesn't ultimately work this agreement or ultimately work the institutions. Does it really go into another assembly election telling its voters that it's not going to take its places in that assembly. I mean, recent polling that we did in the North suggested that while many people wanted uh, changes to the protocol, certainly, or changes to how it operates, they also want their government to be up and running. So I think the DUP can't be, can't completely ignore that as well. Pat, separately before I let you go to domestic, more domestic politics here, that the Social Democrats will have a new leader this week, but not a contest. Yeah, that's right. This happened over the weekend. Of course, your listeners will be aware that Catherine Murphy and Roisin Shortall announced last week that they were stepping down as uh, as co-leaders 
of the party. So there's been furious consultations behind the scenes. And yesterday it emerged that Holly Kearns with the Cork Southwest TD was putting forward her name to be leader and the three other uh, social Democrat TDs who hadn't previously made their intentions known uh, came out and said that they would be backing her. So a leader by acclamation. She'll become leader on Wednesday when nominations open. She'll be the only nominee. She's only 33. She's a first time TD, but has a pretty high media profile and is very well known, well liked, well respected within uh, the party. So she'll be, to say, the youngest party leader in the Dáil by some distance on Wednesday. Pat Lee, political editor at the Irish Times and Suzanne Lynch, chief Brussels correspondent with Politico. Thank you.